So hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. This week's episode is a very special episode. We have Mary Black MP um, on the show. Uh, it was an absolute privilege to have Mary come in to the studio, an airport studio, but basically my flat, um, a couple of weeks back. And we had an amazing conversation. We covered um, theory versus reality in relation to politics. Um, the Gender Recognition Act, Universal Credit, uh, Waspy Women, and why Scotland needs full control of its laws and resources. I mean, I'm going to let this podcast speak for itself. Both me and Matt were overwhelmed with gratitude towards Mary for coming in. Um, we'd sent her an email, I think about a year ago, um, and we got something back. We were absolutely buzzing. Um I just want to give a big massive shout out to Darren McGarvey or Loki, the Scottish rapper. He seemed to do like a sort of whistle stop tour, a podcast in Glasgow last week. And he did three that I listened to. Not only did he do our own Rebel City, but he did Drunk Therapy and Blethered. And I listened to all three podcasts. And it's testament to the guy that all three were highly engaging, very different. And I mean, again, like... I'm eternally grateful to Darren for coming in, same as we, we are to Mary. And also, Graham Wilson, uh, GW Undrunk, what a podcast that was, an amazing story and addiction and recovery and family. Um, the podcast just continues to get bigger and bigger every week with every episode, and I can of be more thankful to everybody who's liking, sharing, clicking, whatever you're doing, engaging with the podcast. Thank you very much. More of the same coming up um, as we go towards Christmas and into quarter four. But without further ado, here's the episode with Mary. So hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. This week's guest, we're extremely privileged to have Mary Black MP. How's it going, Mary? I know bad. I've got water now, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> happy. Um, I, usually at this point what we would normally do is we would get people to just explain who they are and what they're about, but I don't think we need to, yeah. you need any introduction. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if that's yeah, a bad thing. You don't know who Mary is, no, I'd probably know the podcast for you. De- def- <laughs> definitely, a, definitely a good thing, but um, aye, so like Matt was wanting to ask a oh, aye, so, question. Um, I'm a long-term, lifelong politics geek that's... It's my weakness. I just need to deal with it. Um, and reading up before this, uh, I, I got the impression that I did a kind of similar sort of politics course to you. Mm-hmm. Um, um, mine was called like party and cabinet politics. And it was all, you know, ins and outs of the, the, the actual operating day-to-day stuff. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, you were, like, actively still a student when you mm-hmm. first went to Westminster. Like, for me, that's, like, probably the ultimate clash of, like, theory versus reality like what was that what was that actually like uh, it was a bit bizarre yeah. <laughs> really because uh, i still had i think when i get elected i still had one more exam to do um because I, I mind having to ask for time off to go and get, <laughs> do the other exams uh, so I, I remember sitting in the house of commons library because we didn't have any offices or anything at that right. point and I sat in the library and I was like, right, let's get the books out. You've got two hours just to focus on it. And after I'd read like the first paragraph, I was like, 
wait a minute, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I'm sitting in this, oh God, and I'm writing about it. So that that was weird, but it was more weird when I actually sat the exam. Because mm-hmm. of course I walked in and like that, you could feel half of the room hated me oh. and half of them really liked me. And I don't even know if it was the, my politics. They yeah. probably hated me because at that time of year, most students are pulling their hair out, yeah. trying to figure mm. out what their job is. Mm-hmm. And then there's me, for it got myself sorted. Yeah. Right, those things. Surely they should have just wrote a first-class honours degree and just been like, away you go. Well, yeah, see, like, not, achieved the goal. You've I, completed it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it, to be honest, my, the, my degree's still the thing that I'm proudest of yeah because that was mine if you know what i mean mm-hmm. it was i got myself into because strathclyde actually rejected me all right because uh, i applied for uni the years after they'd hiked up all the tuition fees right. so all the uh, entry marks mm-hmm. went to like straight four days so i ended up only getting three days so worked it all right i know it worked uh, it all right eventually all right. i gave up my summer and get into glasgow Ended up with a degree, so I'm happy with that. Well, that's it. <laughs> it must so. have been surreal, like reading about these types of things for like three and a bit years or four years, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're just like thrusted into the middle of it and then sitting there with. Well, to be honest, because the referendum was happening while I was a student, I think subconsciously I was already living in it because mm-hmm. it was everything to do with the referendum that shaped my politics as I am now and how I yeah. handle things and how I view things so it, it kind of all happened without me even noticing if that makes sense i was too mm-hmm. busy just Are campaigning just in there? i am Aye. just and about it and it wasn't until i get elected and took the time to step back and go this has been wild <laughs> <laughs> this is mental. how did this happen i so that's crazy man. <laughs> Do you think, so you've been re-elected once yeah. is that right um one of the, the, the big things that I'm interested in is how like the internet and specifically things like Cambridge Analytica, Russian bots, the way that sort of like Trump has sort of changed politics. Like mm-hmm. have you noticed like that there's there's a difference in the campaigning now that you have to sort of adjust or is it the same a very sort of similar sort of thing? Well <clears throat> it's similar in some senses but very different in how it presents itself, I think, mm-hmm. because well, that Donald Trump has changed things, but mm-hmm. the sort of crap that he's spouting is nothing new. No, I mean this is we've seen this in periods of history all through time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that, when you see a shift to the right, it's usually uh, comes after there's financial issue and yeah. people are struggling, and that's where you start getting scapegoats, and it becomes easy yep. to confuse things and convolute it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're living through right now, yeah. and it's horrific. Not just in <laughs> yeah. America either. And uh, where we have, I hate using the term because he came up with it, but fake news, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. it does it's exist. A, it's a real thing. Yeah. And this it, is, I hate it, but it is a real thing. This is a problem with it, is, is that yeah. he's using, it, using something that actually exists mm-hmm. to sort of bat away facts yes. so like journalism has really changed and yeah. since trump in america mm-hmm. and they, they're i think they're working overtime to try and sort of like claw back yeah. the trust of people but totally. this guy's just you now get this soundbite that he can just use mm-hmm. even if it is facts i mean there was a video of a, 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 a hispanic woman at a trump campaign a week ago and the reporter for vice said to her well trump said this mm-hmm. she's like no it's fake news they went and got a video yep showed her it on the monitor <laughs> and she still went that didn't happen, that's fake. It's, 
uh, how you meant to fight yeah. that. You can't you know, fight it. I think it's something that does get weaponized against, particularly, um, mm-hmm. uh, well, in my experience, SMP, MSPs, mm-hmm. and MPs, um, is the use of social media to dig you for no doing something about something that isn't devolved at the Scottish Parliament, or is devolved <laughs> at the Scottish Parliament, but yeah. they're digging out a Westminster MP. So a lot mm-hmm. of that is like, for me, that falls into the fake news category where there's people consciously going, I actually know that mm-hmm. Mary can identify with this, but yeah. I'm going to tag her here because yep. my 10,000 followers will just retweet the shit out of this. Totally. And it, then, you know, the lie gets out there faster than the fact. That, that, you know what I mean? that literally happened to me. Uh, <clears throat> when was that? It was during the, the REH in mm-hmm. my constituency, the children's ward, the yeah. health board were wanting to reallocate it and change it all. And that became... Mary Black wants to single-handedly close a children's ward. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> even in my remit. Um, and then when I did try to help, it ended up just becoming a nightmare trying Aye. to... Because like that, you were getting this crap from you know opposition parties in this case. But it, it, you're sitting there going, that's not how things work. Yeah. Do you know how a health board functions? I can't just go in and say, mm-hmm. uh, you know... This is what's happening. Override it. I think there'd be probably times as well that if you were to actually go and mm-hmm. get involved in something that was out with your remit or out with your purview, like you run the risk of turning something that's maybe potentially quite low key mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things into a circus. Mm-hmm. But you also can't win because the minute you step outside what is is yep. your remit, you're also going to get tagged for. And that's, oh, hold on a minute, that's not your that's job. That's what I think that <laughs> I mean, people of, of all different political uh, opinions, I think everybody has to take some time to self-reflect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whether it be reflecting on how your movement or your political party is vulnerable to all of these kind of things, mm-hmm. but also appreciating, do we contribute to that kind of crap? Because quite often I see yes accounts sharing things when I'm going that's just not not true that's not true Mm. and I feel like I'm letting them down because there's our supporters who don't fully I think the one this week is the the secret Westminster survey that has independence at like 99% and like they're they're keeping it under and you're like come on guys keep them going it's like Westminster's sitting on this and you're like but "Ah." the flip side to that though is that with the way that Westminster works, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Well, true. <laughs> that they do, you know, so that's how these things end up being given credibility mm-hmm. because we know that these dirty tricks Aye. happen. Yeah. So it's a case of having the kind of, whether it's personal judgment or whatever, I don't mm. know, but taking the time to be a bit sensible and think, right, what is the likelihood of this really happening? Mm-hmm. And if you understand the inner workings of an institution or how things work day to day, if you're thinking, I actually, no, I can see that happening and mm-hmm. then getting away with that. Right, no, I will dig a wee bit deeper. Um, but frankly, if you're sitting on Twitter 15 hours a day, yeah. do you know what I mean? I'm not sure you're... So this is a, quite a dangerous thing because I was listening to um, a couple of people talk about this and were saying that if you shouldn't really base your opinion on the world, either socially or politically, based on Twitter. Like, of course not. Disconnect because... The vast majority of people that I meet day to day are really nice people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not Aye. like screaming lunatics. Mm. But if you were just to insulate yourself in your Twitter feed yeah. and engage with people that are <laughs> outraged, <laughs> uh, so it doesn't actually reflect real Aye. life. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, my pal put it perfectly when he says that 
the people not on Twitter don't understand how important Twitter is, and the people who are on Twitter think it's more important than it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because when exactly what you're saying, Twitter's not reflective of the general public. Yeah. But with how our world's changing and how media's changing and reporting's changing, Twitter's where journalists get all their stuff from. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you literally see it at a a really horribly basic level. Yeah. But we see it as football fans where you see somebody that you know tweet something and it's almost like a joke. Yeah. And then the son will report yep. it and you're like, yeah. they've literally just lifted that for that yep. guy's Twitter feed, Aye. which I think is very, very dangerous. Like, it's, it's depressing. And, mm-hmm. But I also appreciate that that then is an issue that ties into the bigger issue of journalism yeah. and how yeah. it's changing. Absolutely. Um, so like with all things in politics, there's no one fix to one problem because mm-hmm. all the problems are linked. It's You've got to take a step back and almost uh, do a galaxy view and yeah. go, right. I think what's particularly like, worrying about that type of thing is is that uh, Trump came up with policy mm-hmm. based on retweets. Yeah. So Build a Wall Aye. was actually a soundbite that he put out on yep. Twitter at like four in the morning and it got 250k retweets yeah. within an hour and they deleted it. And then the next that day, his, policy, his next yeah. rally, it yep. was Build a Wall. And I think that's really dangerous because it sets a sort of precedent for politicians to go, right, what's my most popular tweet? Mm-hmm. That's that's my message. Aye. And it's like, again, it doesn't reflect real life. Aye, like, especially when you've got a million Russian bots following you mm-hmm. or whatever. I think this is where, the, like you're saying, people need to take a step back here and just realise that the only real people, like, people are outraged at yeah. X, Y, and It's Z one and person with 20 accounts <laughs> posting yeah. the same thing. Yeah, just Aye. shit posting people. But I also think that Online and with Twitter especially, there's sometimes a generational divide because folk who've grown up with Twitter kind of get how it works. Yep. Whereas I've seen a few times where folk have just got the complete wrong end of the stick mm-hmm. and it's, you can tell it's like you've just picked this up as though it's a newspaper, this app. Ah, yeah. And it's yeah. not, it's, mm-hmm. you know. I think as well, like, it's like that thing when you have a, a conversation with like a partner or a text message. <laughs> I, I, I go, I say something and she'll be like, what are you on about? And I'm like, what do you mean? I, was, I said the most, to me, the uh-huh. most inane thing possible that I was just like, I am, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. How do you mean that? And you're like, there's a nuance that goes missing in text format. Uh-huh. I mean, with 240 characters, you might be like, pure, this is like the greatest political thought I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And you instantly get like, 2,000 people on your head going, you're an idiot. Uh-huh. You know I mean, like, and you're uh-huh. just like, what the hell? You know what I mean? So I think there is that kind of like, lost in translation sometimes mm-hmm. that people do get caught in but at the same time what i think we all need to have a wee bit more responsibility for what we say like i think a lot of the and, and, and again with your profile you might encounter this a lot and we have in recent weeks um like the anonymous accounts mm-hmm. that are sometimes created yeah. specifically to actually like Aye. come at you and you're a bit like what is going on in your life that that's something you feel you need today you know what i mean like in- yeah, totally agree with you mm. in terms of the issue. But I suppose from a personal point of view, it's a laugh sometimes. Well, true. <laughs> we, we, we get quite a lot of abuse, especially around the sort Some of orange really walk creative. stuff that we did. And uh, I think after... One of them learned how to use PowerPoint, so fair point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, oh, wait, I, this is the other thing, is that, is that the podcast has kind of like took off in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. We've started to get emails with people sending us like conspiracy theories, going, yeah. you just need to look at this because we're approaching sort of social issues that yeah. affect people. And mm-hmm. it's like, look here. You're mm-hmm. like, no, I really... That, that is a 2,000 word, like, yeah. Microsoft Word document <laughs> that I'm not going to... I'm not going to... <laughs> um, as, a, as like a... I mean... I, 
I don't know if I hate the term, but as a millennial, yeah. and a generation of people that seem to be like struggling to cope with just sort of day to day. Like, how did you deal with the stress of being like the youngest MP? I mean, you get so much attention. I think at one point in time they were commenting on your lunch. Oh, I, you I know, chips. I was wild. The sun falling was, about like. I don't eating. even really like chips. It was just there was nothing else that I liked. Yeah, there's, there's a headline: the Morris Scots girl and not liking chips. Shocker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it. You're not getting reelected next time. Um, you don't like chips. But how do you cope with your your own sort of stress? Like we're by going talking to people about mental health issues yeah. and not just issues, but actual like mental uh, health and positive mental health. So yeah. how do you keep yourself sort of grounded under like extreme stress? Well. To be honest, it's because of my support network, totally. I mean, my family and friends are just absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always the first to slag me. So it's, <laughs> you know, it is good. And when I log on to Twitter, I don't see anything worse than anything they'd say yeah. <laughs> if it was called for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I, that keeps me down to earth because in terms of my personal life, no much has changed. You know, mm-hmm. I still hang about with the same pals, still do the same thing, still go to the fur hill and everything like that. So for me, I keep it in my head as it's a job. Mm -hmm. Now, I totally get how important that job is and what a privilege that job is, but it's a job. Mm -hmm. And if it ever got to the point where it's, you know, destroying my life, nah, it's not worth it. I'm I'm not prepared to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, I've just always been very straightforward. And by being that way, since I got elected, not rising, you know, the Daily Mail crap when mm. I first got down. I think it kind of also gave journalists a bit of a nudge and going, all oh, right, she's not what we think she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, let's, I'm a wee bit interested. Yeah. Um, and what that's do you why think, I want to What do you think they thought? What was oh, they, were ex- they were expecting me to be wild, to just go down and be rude, swearing, trashing the place, caught steaming, all sorts. <laughs> I mean, apparently I'm taking coke in the chamber these days. Right. So, you know, it's all of this stuff. Because you'll be the only one doing that. You know <laughs> <what I> mean? <laughs> yeah, a few of them do look a bit spaced out. So, <clears throat> in terms of, you know, life since getting to Westminster, mm-hmm. um, sort of post-2014, one of the, the arguments I made amongst mates was that when the SNP won the 56 seats mm-hmm. uh, for Westminster, that they had to basically, you know, respect the result of the referendum mm-hmm. and go down and make a positive contribution yep. to UK politics. And that meant for me actually engaging in stuff that was UK-wide issues. Mm-hmm. And pretty early doors, you got involved with the Waspy woman. Yeah. Um, my mum was actually affected by this. Um, mm-hmm. Same. Her 59th <laughs> birthday, or, you know, no long after it, she'd been winding up for her last year and was told that she had another six to go. Uh-huh. Um, she's two through it and is now having her hip replaced. You know, so she's a home help. And, and see, to be honest with you, I completely uh-huh. get that the demographics in mm-hmm. the population have been changing for a long period mm-hmm. of time, that people are living longer and there is a higher quality of life generally speaking, when you know, compared yeah. to history. So a change in pension mm-hmm. age, pensionable ages, mm-hmm. does make a level of sense in the terms of changing demographics. Yep. Um, I think the reality that some jobs are so physical, like my mum, yeah. who's been a home help for 20 years, mm-hmm. um, or other jobs as well, you know. Mm-hmm. My dad was a railway shunter. He, could, he couldn't do that to exactly. 70. You know what Aye. I mean? Like, sitting in an office with somebody like me, mm-hmm. you know, maybe. You know what I mean? If I get by the, you know, 57, that yeah. this, the average mortality rate for guys like me in Glasgow. <laughs> uh, you know, 70 would be a bonus, but like, Aye. I'm not working to 70, there's no way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, 
Like, was there a conscious choice on your part to be like, this is this is the one for me, or was it? How did it come about? Well, again, it's more that I don't realise how much I'm in it until it's too late, almost. Yeah. Because uh, the first surgery I ever had, and the first person that came through was a wasp woman. But right. at the time, we didn't realise that she was just giving me all these pension letters, and I'm like, right, this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Let me take this away and look at it. And when I did that, you start realising, oh wait a second, this is. Yeah. A problem, and then we realised, well, what a second, this is a problem across the whole of the UK, this is wild, mm-hmm. and started putting in, you know, information requests, and we find out that the government didn't send letters until 14 years after the law had changed, and it's, you li- how, <laughs> uh, that's, that's literally what happened with it, it was in 1995, they said, look, we're going to change things so that eventually men and women are retiring at the same age, so we'll start phasing that in. And the whole point was, or the study that was done, it argued that you have to give people 15 years warning, basically, before you change anything with mm-hmm, pension mm-hmm. so that they can prepare. So they did that in 1995. Didn't tell anybody. <laughs> basically, there was no campaigns. There was no letters went out, no nothing. So loads of folk, most folks just didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. So then what happened was in 2011, the coalition came in and they said, right, do you know what? this isn't going fast enough, they saw a quick saving. Mm -hmm. So they said, instead of letting that original 15-year timeline play out, they were going to take whatever was left of it and just condense it into uh, 18 months. So that meant that you had a whole cohort of women who were like, well, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. You're only telling me now that I'm going to be working an extra six years. That's And this is happening all over the UK, and it's one of those issues where they truly have no answer to it. They're just ignoring it. They're waiting on mum and die. Um, rather than pay their pensions. Uh, so it is, it's, it's one that is just a genuine I mean, battle. I mean, two things that are the, you know, or, or, you know, meant to be when it was founded, you know, the, the sort of cornerstones of the welfare state were the NHS and pensions. pensions. Yep. Um, that people would work all their lives and have the rug pulled under them at Aye. the last minute is disgusting and I think it's maybe kind of indicative as well as some of the disconnect that we talk about when we talk about Westminster politics mm-hmm. is that I think when we're talking about your coping mechanisms and stuff that yeah. you're actually stayed quite grounded because you see it as something that you do rather mm-hmm. than something that you are yeah. but I think I, a lot of people go to Westminster and being an MP becomes oh God, their identity I, yes, completely. and that puts you, I must put you in a weird headspace where you feel like you know, you make these tough decisions, but you're doing it for a greater good. But in actual fact, oh, no, how can punishing these women for a lifetime, uh, contributing to the system, ever be for a greater good? Uh, you know what I mean? Like they should have phased it. They should mm-hmm. have made the argument and said, "Look, here is the, the legitimate reason why we have to consider doing this." Yeah. But you know, we've made a mess of this. Let's phase it through. Let's work ways. Yep. Whereas they just went, "No, nah, six years." Aye, that's it, and we're not looking at it again. Simple, and they can do that. Like, you know, we've had, I think it's now 14 debates or something, mm-hmm. and we've had a couple of votes on it as well, and they're just like, no, we're not doing it. Aye, so, so it, it's just, it's how depressing that institution is itself and how it still mm-hmm. functions like that, um, that that's even allowed to happen. But mm-hmm. that's, for me, that's where I see so many opportunities with independence. debates with nothing really changing Aye. must be I mean she tried to write a speech for a debate that you've had 14, 14 times honestly what am I meant to say to <laughs> exactly you know what I mean like, it's, it, as it's real you're banging your head against a brick wall and that's where 
it really gets under my skin when you do get the really sanctimonious Tories mm. who don't have a principled bone in their body. Because I can appreciate principled Conservatives, don't agree with them, but yeah. fair enough, mm-hmm. it's a point of view. See folk that are just there because I'm an MP yeah. and I just do what I'm told and no fiscal responsibility. What Do you even know what that means? Mm-hmm. Have you okay. had a look at what you've been doing to the economy for the last 10 years? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't have a, a genuine conversation with somebody who's not wanting to listen. Yeah. And unfortunately, Parliament's filled with them. Mm. Just agenda. Uh, agenda over substance every time. The image that just comes into my head when I hear that is when Ian Duncan Smith like cheered the universal Aye. credit thing. Yep. Where they, oh. they, they did the living wage, and, but it wasn't a living there's, wage. And, uh, there's a cracking big painting in... Westminster, because there's some paintings that are something else, by the way. (laughs) Just weird. Uh, But there's (laughs) this one that's massive and it's the chamber, but it's just filled with monkeys, and I love it. It's just so (laughs) bloody accurate. They're all jumping about in the chairs now. That's what it's like. What is it like being there with people like, I mean, I've got a genuine distaste for guys like Rhys Mogg. Yeah. I mean, this guy comes up in the podcast more. Aye, it's like something out of Dickens novel. Aye. So yeah, my, my favorite. I've said this before on the podcast. My favorite story about him is when he got asked about his his favorite Christmas gift growing up. Mm-hmm. He said that his mum gave him a, a veil of ointment that was taken for Queen Victoria's coronation, and you're just like your childhood must have been something else, mate. Like, <laughs> fucking hell. But what is it like being there with people like that, like and seeing them actually? Because there are some great parliamentarians out there. I know, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Benn is somebody that you've got spoke about having a lot of respect for. Um, I, over the years, as, as much as I know there's been a wee bit of back and forth, I, I mm-hmm. was a fan of Dennis Skinner. Um, I, I know, obviously, you know, there was the seating yeah. issues and stuff like that. I think that's the, the press again. But it's not to say that there's no some actual solid people doing, you mm-hmm. know, good careers and good work and all the rest of it. But I, it does seem that we're, like, drowned under the weight of, like, just cunts, basically. <laughs> like... I'm not allowed to use that word anymore. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Apologies. Well, I think, uh, for a personal point of view, when I first went down, for me, it was more fascinating than right. it was because, like, at, at one point, I got invited to speak at Eton, and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I did it, and I would love to say it's out of, you know, political differences mm. and interest and stuff it was really just so that when I was 15 all this is done I can go you know mind that time I spoke eating uh, <laughs> having a pint or something but uh, latch up to the zoo you know, <laughs> through, <laughs> through the glass at them pure. but when I did do it it was actually fascinating because mm. I was just talking to them honestly about my experience they were genuinely listening mm. and the questions I got I just remember <clears> thinking Oh my God, it's so innocent. Look at them. They have no mm-hmm. idea about the real world. Yeah. Because their questions were just like, I, I'm trying to think an example. Did, yeah, them, but did anyone just, refer to scotch? Because uh, I would have fucking blew my nut. Like, <laughs> I, I can't remember. It was a long night though. Right. It was a very long night. Mm, I, I, I tried to have a conversation with somebody where it was, I was it, it's linked to this, where I was trying to say to them that you need to understand that somebody that's born in money mm-hmm. that's upper class has got no idea what your life is like. like. And for you to expect them to know how it is Aye. to grow up in Glasgow or the west of Scotland and sort of relate to what you're saying, is it's unrealistic. Aye. Like you, you, can't, you don't know what it's like to have a nanny for 23 years of your life Aye. and what type of person that produces. And we can mm-hmm. see it like, and yeah. sort of go, wow, that's, let's not do that ever Aye. again. But we're not legislating against nannies. 
you know exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that there, there is this sort of disconnection where working class or even sort of lower middle class people mm-hmm. expect guys like Boris Johnson to know what it's like to be mm-hmm. to grow up in a tenement it's like well, it, never, it will never have that aye. perspective well, that's what I think that it's the way that Westminster politics works and what's the norm because we've been battle it's been battered into us for years that you know Scotland's too wee, too poor, too yeah. and you can't have control over that, just let us deal with it. So because of that, we've got an entire population who, whether they've realised or not, have been subconsciously seeing, all oh, right, no, it's those sort of guys, they're the ones that really know what they're doing. Mm. I've met Boris, he's not got a bloody clue what he's doing. <laughs> right? I he's don't a homeless human being. He's see just... when he walks about Parliament, I don't think he even knows where he's going. Half the time he's <laughs> bumbling about. It's, so it, it's, it, I think that people sometimes need to remind themselves that politicians are people as well. Mm-hmm. And fundamentally, most folk can tell when somebody's lying to them or when somebody's not giving them the full truth. Yep. Now, sometimes in politics you can argue that that might be necessary, but more often than not, it's it's not necessary no. at all. Mm. Just answer the question. Are you going to talk national security, maybe? So but that's about it. And how rare it is to find a Westminster politician that answers a question. Mm. And that's because the nature of the place just allows them. It's designed to allow people to, you know, be vague and yeah. to mm-hmm. be able to keep things back and make things more complicated than than they need to be. Yeah. Pensions is exactly one of them. Pensions should be an incredibly simple thing to solve yep. because basically we need to wipe the slate clean and start again mm-hmm. because the problem has been that you've had these clowns getting elected every five years and going, right, here's what we're going to do, doing all these changes, and then 10 years down the line, Somebody whoever's left in government going, what the hell did you do that for? Mm-hmm. That was a stupid idea. So you then just create all these problems and... Uh, Exactly. Do you think the political uh, polarization that we're seeing is like the last sort of death croaks of that mm-hmm. type of like soundbite? Like, if they're asked a straight question now, people are wanting a straight answer. Well, that this is where it becomes nuanced, though, because see, like me, when I was getting elected in twenty fifteen, I was talking about shaking up the establishment, um, giving that place. A breath of fresh air, yeah. stuff like that. That's all stuff that Nigel Farage says as well. Mm-hmm. A drain the swamp. Which so makes me, unco- well. which I was like, oh my God, that's my words coming out of his face. What <laughs> the hell? And that made me stop and really think. And I suppose that's where it's up to people to make sure that they're educated enough to catch out these mm-hmm. con guys, mm-hmm. these con artists. Um, because the minute you start to scrutinise them, it falls away. Yeah. That's so anti-established. It just falls away. I just it's don't understand how a guy like Farage or Rhys Mogg is even worse and Boris have managed mm-hmm. to convince people that they're like many of the people. That I'm a, like, what's the... Because they, they, they use it for Trump as well. They call him a blue... The blue-collar billionaire. Yeah. Aye. How the fuck can you be a blue-collar... Aye. That guy started He's, with two million... Two million two million dollar loan for his dad. How's he playing? And apart from anything else, his history with money is awful. <laughs> that guy is, should never be in charge of a budget. <laughs> Absolutely, that's crazy. But I, I don't understand how Nigel Farage, when he's standing there in his Berber coat with yeah. his skip hat, what shouting about fox hunting with a pint and a fag, and people are like, he's the guy. He's the guy. That's it. He represents me. Well, f- that's what I think. And this is just my personal opinion. I think that because 
the way that Westminster politics works is it wants people to be ignorant. Mm -hmm. It's deliberately really complicated and really dense. Yep. Now, Parliament has to be, you have to scrutinise legislation line by line properly, Absolutely. do committees and everything, but it's all the caveats mm -hmm. in Westminster and all the things that are uh, subject to your viewpoint yeah. as such. Because mm -hmm. um, like the have, law then interprets We don't have it. a rule book for yeah. Parliament. There is one book that was written in, oh Christ, I think it was like 16, right. or it was way back, right? Erskine May, it's called. And that's what the speaker uses, but it's totally up to his uh, Whatever oh, he and thinks I, and whatever that's his why he's so popular with his party, then I. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, we've seen how that <laughs> that can play out. So because of that, <clears throat> people have been switched off to politics, yeah. and they only take the two-minute snippet that's on the news. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They only listen to that one line. Yeah. And I think what happened in Scotland, particularly, was in 2014 we managed to sort of crack that mm -hmm. disengagement, mm -hmm. and suddenly folk Definitely. were paying attention to politics again. But that's where I think folk need direction. And that's what I think the SNP should do. This is where do. he's run into issues, or we've run into issues, both in a Scottish sense and a wider UK mm -hmm. sense, is that we've tried to address really complex, really nuanced issues, as you say, mm -hmm. with like binary questions. Yep. And that in itself is a pretty divisive way. I mean, you know, I get that there's a need for binary questions in certain mm -hmm. respects, but I think there's also been a fact that where people instantly go, well, this is, I'm, yeah. on, I'm on this side, and then trenches are dug and people kind of mm -hmm. get back out again. Um, I, I think, kind of trying to move on a wee bit, for, not too much away from Westminster, mm -hmm. but um, we had a, a, a guest on last week uh, who was a, a political actor, written a book about a political activist, uh, Kath Duncan. Um, we put it out as a part of, you know, sort of Pride, obviously, you know, it's Pride Month. Yeah. Um, last night you were in the house voting on... Northern Ireland. Northern Irish yep. marriage equality and abortion rights. Yeah. Um, 330 something 99 i think it yes, went through, which is kind of overwhelming yeah um but am i right in saying this is and again one of these like nuanced caveats mm -hmm. is that this because a lot of papers were celebrating it as marriage equality is now legal in northern ireland but this is only a storm out doesn't it reform before september yeah, or something like that when you actually read the motion that's effectively what it says mm -hmm. um but the, the reason, <laughs> and for SNP in particular, it was a tough one because yeah. we've had a long-standing policy of not legislating for other countries. Yes, because of course we complain but about I, it. We, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't want it for us. So, um, but the reason why I was okay voting this time was I thought to myself that is true, and mm -hmm. I still do believe that. But Stormont's not had a government now for yeah. three years, and they don't look like they're getting one anytime soon. And this legislation passed in Northern Ireland, did it not? Before the Stormont Assembly yeah, fell apart. Yeah, because it was part of how it all fell apart. Was yeah. the, the DUP, I think, were adding amendments and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they tried to spike it. I, um, so for me, I just thought, they've not got a devolved government. They've got no sign of getting one. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that I am in Westminster, because whether I like it or not, Scotland voted to stay part of this system. Yep. So I'm, I'm respecting that, I'm trying to make mm -hmm. it better. Then Northern Ireland's also still part of this system. Mm -hmm. And as this system stands, they seem okay with Westminster, you know, being able to yeah. make legislation for them. And right now, we know that women are suffering in Northern Ireland mm -hmm. through lack of healthcare through lack yeah. of opportunity mm -hmm. the fact that i wouldn't be able to get married if i went over to northern ireland if i'm in a position where i can help fix that 
and I'd rather do that Absolutely. rather than abstaining for and I think know, some kind of arbitrary argument. Ah, like a theoretical thing. Yeah. I think as well, like, as we were talking in relation to Waspy, like, there is mm-hmm. an onus on you to make a positive contribution to UK politics. Yeah. And I think as much as I totally respect the stance on devolved matters mm-hmm. to and from, um, I think there are moral issues that sometimes, if you're in that position, you just have to stone up. And well, that was given your own personal was, circumstances, I, I can completely get that. I think, like we were talking earlier on about some, you can't, you know, you, you can't win either way. Aye. Is that you just got a lot of criticism as, well, well the SNP are not, again, not going to mm-hmm. vote on this devolved matter. And you're like, well, the SNP never yeah. vote on devolved matters, um, barring the, obviously the one exception prior to that. And then, you step out mm-hmm. that and go, we're going to do it. Yeah. And you then you yourself it? to the criticism. Oh, <laughs> guys, hypocrites. You know what I mean? It's like, so but you can't win either way. Uh, uh, like that, though, when I was thinking about what I was going to do, when I, I knew fine well, photos, uh, how you voted on something devolved. Yeah, but do you know what? It might help save a life. Yeah, mm-hmm. Because it's not worth folk being harmed while folk play politics. Mm-hmm. And I get how important playing politics is. Yeah, yeah. But it's... Remember what's really important. There's folks suffering there. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think it's as, as well like it's it's such a normalised thing now. I mean, we're, we're not in the seventies anymore mm-hmm. where people were afraid to come out or be mm-hmm. out. You know, like people should be able to celebrate and express their lives together, however mm-hmm. they see fit. As far as I'm concerned, um, can I moving on for that? And we kind of talked off mic was that. Um, we have danced around sort of gender issues yeah. and sexuality and stuff like that. But again, as it's no our personal experience, mm-hmm. it's been a bit of a tough one to like yeah to crack to kind of get into uh, and no sound like idiots. Both so sense. straight. Aye, no, that's it. Aye, so straight. Hell, white men. Speak about anything. Neither like. of the two guys even get makeup on. <laughs> like, no, okay, sorry. Um, but you waded in last week with um, mean tweets in relation to the, the GRA. The GRA, yeah. Um, now, the GRA is, is it Gender Recognition Act? The Gender Recognition Act. And um, this is about, well, broad strokes is about people who self-identify, or this seems to be the biggest crux, the well, sticking point that I've what, come across. What this is, is the Gender Recognition Act uh, was 2004, I believe, mm-hmm, came mm-hmm. into force. And under that, you can that that was the legislation that made sure that if you were trans you could change your birth certificate and everything mm-hmm. because folk okay. folk don't realize as well that one of the issues for trans people as well is if they can't get all their formal uh, documents to be you know matching. matching who they are yeah then it also has problems for things like pensions for uh, inheritance for uh, you know, you know all different that? factors because you think and that makes perfect sense. Systems it's never, have I've never to work. And you're going to you know, so it uh, is a problem. Passports, driver's licenses. So um, a lot of the things like passports and things they can already change, right. and then, but it's the official documentation, like mm-hmm. basically get a new birth certificate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hoops that trans folk have to jump through are horrible just yeah. now, and they're, they're also unjustifiable. Mm. Because when you, except like uh, Westminster, the Women and Equalities Committee did a report on this not that long ago. And of course, I'm a geek. I sat and read the whole thing. Anybody who reads through all the evidence, it's clear that there is nothing to support the hoops that they have to jump mm-hmm. through just now. For instance, they have to be uh, diagnosed with gender dysphoria, which is, it's basically extreme distress because a disconnect between yeah. how you view yourself and the physical reality. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that the example that I give, it's like saying that every gay person has to have anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yes, you can have anxiety because of the yeah. homophobic world that we live in, yeah. but it's not... It's not being gay. Aye, it's exactly. Not uh-huh. yeah. So it's the same with trans. Not uh-huh. every trans person experiences Body gender trans. dysphoria, uh-huh. but they identify as trans. Um, so basically what the international best practice now is in like Ireland, Malta, Denmark, all these places, um, is a basis of self-ID, where instead of having to go and get all these doctors' letters, be diagnosed with things, um, and you have to live for two years in your chosen identity and stuff like that, um, all these hoops, instead of that, you go in front of a justice of the peace and (coughs) sign a legal document stating your intention to live as you are. And... If you're found to do that on a fraudulent basis, I think it's two years in jail automatically. Mm. Now, none of the places that got self-ID have had, you know, guys like yourself going, I'm now trans, yeah. so I can go into a woman's toilet this, and uh-huh. start. So this and, is, this is the, the argument that's getting made against yep. it. It's ridiculous. So, but, and I can appreciate the folk thinking that, and mm. I can appreciate folk being genuinely, you know, worried and getting themselves worked up. But take a chill pill, breathe a second. What's stopping a guy doing that just now? Mm-hmm. What? There's nothing. No. If it's going to happen, unfortunately, it's It'll going to happen. happen. Yeah. The only way you're going to clamp down on uh, sexual offences or anything remotely like that is by focusing on the perpetrators mm, yeah. and by saying, oh, but they might be able to hide as trans as a reason to justify all trans people. Mm-hmm. Not that doesn't hold water that's not okay i think as well we need to understand the fact that we we didn't just invent trans people a couple weeks ago like they've always been there like they've always Mm -hmm. been using these public facilities well this this is is a a really small almost infinitesimal and this is the the thing as well that i think is really really being missed here is that the reforms that we're talking about is literally just changing that process Mm -hmm. of getting a gr uh, a GRC, it's called the Gender Recognition yep. Certificate. That's all. Okay. The thing that deals with single-sex spaces is actually the Equality Act, mm-hmm. which was 2010. Mm-hmm. So if you're arguing that trans people <clears throat> should be excluded from single-sex spaces, you're arguing that you want to remove rights that trans people have had for yeah. years Nine now. Years, and even mm-hmm. before that, the all the women's organisations, you know, uh, Women's Aid, mm-hmm. Rape Scotland, all of this, they're all operating on a self-ID basis and have done for years yeah. mm-hmm. because they recognise that trans women in particular often experience exactly the same horrors as many cis women do coming yeah. out their door. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I find that it's quite telling the sort of subtle misogyny, I think, behind this and that many... I think many folk with concerns aren't appreciating that they're almost looking at this with tunnel vision. Yeah. Um, because it's just this doesn't fit what I know to be normal. Yeah. It's like, well, exactly. That's what we're wanting you to step out of. I have to reconsider what you think is normal. With what they're doing just now by, you know, making it like I, I don't want trans folk, mm-hmm. I don't want anybody with a penis in, in the women's toilets. Yeah. Well, what happens if I go in a toilet and a woman goes, You can't be here? No. I know. This is a straight toilet or whatever. Uh, you know, this mm-hmm. is for women. I am a woman. Prove this is, it. This is an English toilet. So, you know, which <laughs> yeah. one do? So it, it's, 
It's English open. and Scottish toilets. And you never hear anyone worried about trans men because there's this yeah, subtle that, idea underneath mm-hmm. that's, that women can't be dangerous or that women can't do wrong or that women yeah. are always the victim. No, it's not. People are fundamentally people. They're good, they're bad. They sometimes have make mistakes, yep. all sorts. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, it's people. Now, yes, we recognise trends with, well, why is it more women experience this than that? Of course, you'd be stupid to ignore these trends, but it's about trying to understand, well, actually, what relates all these? And for me, mm-hmm. what relates them all is this idea of the patriarchy. Because mm-hmm. the point that I make is, as a feminist, I do support trans people because I see the patriarchy in this very heterosexual, binary world yep. as affecting every different group or mm-hmm. every, every different identity differently, whether it be lesbians, uh, butchered lesbians feeling really insecure around guys, feeling the need to macho up in order to mm-hmm. feel threatened by guys, mm-hmm. um, or you get you know straight guys who suddenly feel that they can't talk about their emotions yeah. Yeah. and mental health issues. So we see how this patriarchy actually has detrimental effects on everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to unpick mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. do you know what? There are some boys that just want to wear dresses. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is Let cool. Them. I just want to be, even at like a, a, a simpler level, just want to be emotional. Like, mm-hmm. And they don't feel like they can be or like express emotion because they need to yep. be like a man. And like, yeah. yeah. And when you mental. touched on the sort of feminism point, um, that's, your sentiment is maybe no one that's widely mm-hmm. shared um, because as I've tried to come to grips with notions of, um, you know, gender and yeah. sexuality and stuff like that, as we've been reading and researching, I made the mistake mm-hmm. of starting my research on Twitter. <laughs> so I did. Um, God bless you. I just was like, I, th- I know, I was just like, I'll follow a few people in the field and see what pops up and then work out for there sort of thing. So you didn't and leave the house for what, three days. Yeah, what ended up was with like 15 people on my Twitter feed who just spammed it up constantly uh-huh. shouting about mm. uh, TERFs and whatever else mm. the terminologies are. Um, so, and, and this is where I get confused on it. And I think mm. maybe some other people are sharing uh-huh. in this confusion is that in principle, I've absolutely no beef with anybody being who they mm-hmm. are. You know, totally off for it. Go be you. Yep. One life. Getting about it. But like, at the same time, when somebody says they're encroaching on female spaces, mm-hmm. I can go, well, do you know what? I probably can see a level, a point there. Mm-hmm. I might not fully agree with it, but I can get why maybe that's your stance. Yeah. Somebody else is saying, oh, well, what about women's sport? And these are like really niche yeah. things. Mm. But at the same time, there's people out there where I can go, because I don't have a horse in the race, mm-hmm. I probably can see that there are tiny elements of everybody's arguments yeah. that are valid, mm-hmm. but I don't get why there's no meat in the middle when it's largely, a, a, as you say, the, this feminist issue, you know what I mean? There's well, like with most things in politics, there's usually sinister forces at work mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. the scenes, uh, so there's always a million and one factors as to why one issue is being suddenly forced to the, the spotlight, yeah. um, mm-hmm. so I've no doubt that's going on with this, <clears throat> uh, but I think also it's there has to be more more compassion on both sides, I think. Mm. And that, like, I, I was having a conversation with a woman who had all these concerns, uh, and was sitting talking through them, and I was answering her, and she was saying, right, but whenever I do ask a question, I just get shouted down mm-hmm. and called transphobe and stuff like that. And I say, aye, that's not right. 
because yeah. people need to learn, they need to mm-hmm. educate themselves and sometimes you have to give people the space to ask the ignorant questions yeah, in order yeah. to educate themselves mm-hmm, absolutely. and that's absolutely fine but it's when you don't listen to the answers mm-hmm. that I've got a problem but then on top of that there's also just to confuse matters further is that trans people clearly have very difficult lives at this moment yeah, in time yeah, they, mm-hmm. they're enduring so much hatred in their everyday life a multitude of struggles so see when somebody comes along and goes I don't think you should have a right to exist of course they're going to react of course mm-hmm. you know rightfully so that's not to justify bad language or anybody slagging mm-hmm. anybody else off or calling folk names but you have to appreciate where somebody's coming from mm-hmm. and totally. things you know so in the same way I can appreciate that people are coming from some sincere places but asking some things where you're like, oh my God, that's worded horrific. Mm-hmm. But right, we, we've got a lot of work to do here, but okay, we'll go with it. Yeah. Um, I think that there has to be more of that from both sides. Yeah, but I think that's the... That'll be a laugh if we get yeah, that. that. That's <laughs> definitely, I mean, one of the questions we were talking again off mic was how do we re-engage people? Because I feel like in Scotland, we have less of this, the, the yellow vests, mm-hmm. and we don't have people running down the street in Edinburgh like with their phone asking uh, questions uh, about Hollywood. harassing mm. people basically in the yeah. street. And I think the SNP post New Labour managed to sort of fill that vacuum, and the working people, working class people in Scotland felt like they had a voice. Whereas yeah. in England, it's been filled up by this sort of yep. alt right or extreme right where they've, they've turned to this. And exactly what you just said, I agree a hundred percent that compassion needs to be brought in. Like if you used to be a private hire taxi driver and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden Uber comes along and wipes away your living. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, get, I use Uber quite regularly and the majority of people that mm-hmm. are driving Ubers aren't like British nationals or Scottish mm-hmm. nationals. I don't have a problem with that. But I can understand why somebody would be like, well, I'm now anti-immigration, mm-hmm. but these people get tagged as racists and yeah. bigots and it's almost like you need to understand where this guy's coming from. Yeah. Or at least if somebody is, is being a bigot, because it is bigoted and it mm-hmm. is racist, some of what these people say, you need to ask them the question of like, why do you feel like that? Totally. Aye. Instead of just going, yep. cancel him, yep. de-platform him, <laughs> Facebook yep. account, Twitter account, cancel I have to say, I do love Lemmy cancelling folk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not living for that. He's just joking to get cancelled himself. He's posting, I'd be full of being something else. But, but that, that compassionate element yeah. is just being completely and utterly eroded by the, anon- the anonymity of the internet, the, I think. The like, example that I give to folk is whenever I start this sentence at like group meetings or public meetings, I can feel the whole room going, oh my God, where are you going with this? But like, see, for instance, if I was in Liverpool and I'd be working since I was 16, I'd made sure I paid my way, I've been on the housing list forever, and I've been waiting for ages and ages, done everything by the book, and then the one house that does come up, it ends up going to a refugee, for instance. Okay. I can get why that guy's like, hold on, what? I've yep. been doing everything, right? Mm-hmm. But that's where I think it's the job of politicians, uh, or just good people, to point out to that person, do you know what, you have every right to be angry. But you're not angry at that person. Yeah. You're angry at the fact that they're not building enough houses. It's the system yeah. that's the that, problem. And I think mm-hmm. it's sometimes you just need to actually point that out for it to click in somebody's head and go, oh, all right, okay. Yeah. And I think often f- because folk find comfort in going, I take nothing to do with politics. Not, no, no, I don't. They're all a shower of bastards. Yeah. They're all, no, I don't listen. 
Uh, I don't read that. Because they're living in that kind of comfort of just insulating themselves for everything, they, it comes a point where politics hits them and affects their life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, how do you then grab... You've got that person's attention. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly, you've got their attention. So make sure you fill it with something constructive. Because mm -hmm. if not, Farage is waiting in the corner with his fag yeah. and his pint, you yeah. know, just to jump right in. Mm -hmm. So I, I can totally see what's happened with, like, with England in particular, because I think you're right, the SNP have provided a bit of an outlet. And I also think part of the, the thing that helps Scotland is that we've got a different voting system in the Scottish Parliament. Mm -hmm, yeah. So people are getting used to you know, proportional, proportional representation, representation. Mm -hmm. um, which is totally different to the Westminster yeah. thing. So it, we're still in this sort of middle area where I think people are split up in... in they're split up into two groups of one that are kind of interested in politics and they're mm -hmm. getting that things are changing and then the other group that are still in that. Vote Labour to keep out the Tories. Vote yeah. Labour to keep yeah. out the Tories. Yeah, no, there's uh, definitely uh, a lot of that kick. I, I'm not reading any. No, vote Labour to that keep out the Tories. That was literally how I convinced my mom to vote for independence because <laughs> coming up to the, the, the vote in 2014, she was like, listen, I'll be honest, mm -hmm. I don't care. I, I can't. She just Aye. couldn't decipher what was going on because yep. she was watching the BBC, she was reading the newspaper Aye. and I said to her, look, I think it was a, a picture in the newspaper and it was Alistair Darling and whoever the, the Tory mm -hmm. person that was sent up to Scotland to save us for voting Aye. for our own independence. And I said, that is a Labour and a Tory MP standing mm -hmm. side by side, hand in hand, telling you not to vote for independence. Yeah. So I vote for independence as I vote against the Tories. And she went, say no more. That was <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, that's it. Cool. I didn't even know Do who that to, person you know was. I just write that down. I wish I'd thought that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I just went, I just went, like, he's a Tory, he's a Tory, he's a Tory. <laughs> um, we're like, I mean, how are we doing on time? We're not to wrap. Right. Okay. So, um, where do you want to go with? I think um, Universal. Oh, right, well, we go with us, right? So we've got a, a list of questions here, but we're like, the, the rise of AI, um, mm -hmm. We're seeing people. I mean, I was just talking about Uber there. That's literally like just wiping jobs off the board. Yep. I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was saying that AI will probably take the place of a GP yep. in like 15, 20 years. So you you won't go and see your GP. You'll literally put your symptoms into something and it'll print out a wee script for yep. you. Um, do you think that the the sort of universal basic income, like the Andrew Yang, like mm -hmm. the, the that sort of thing, is an actual workable solution? Um, not yet, but just because I don't think there's enough solid evidence to really uh, prove the point. Because mm -hmm. I'm interested in that. I, I think there's a, a lot of merit to a citizen's income. Um, and it creates quite a good culture, actually. Uh, the exact opposite of what you would think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, people expect it to be yeah. like the, the welfare. So that's sort of like, everybody's just going to sit about and smoke weed and do nothing. But I think that we are seeing right now is evidence that people don't have a purpose. Well, and this is exactly. what's important to people. So yeah. we've been told that it's work and it's labour and mm -hmm. you should go to work. And if you don't work, then you're, you're a scrounger. Aye. Aye. But in actual fact, I think it's you need a purpose, you need mm -hmm. some kind of outlet, yep. you need to spend your energy in a productive way and you'll feel good about yourself. Yep. And this is what guys like Yang are saying, is that 
if we give people that money, it gives them the platform to maybe be a photographer yeah. and maybe go and do their passion and not necessarily end up in a call centre or mm-hmm. whatever it is that they hate. Yeah, like, I think as exactly. well. 40 hours a week. When we have to consider these types of things, I know you've been pretty vocally opposed to things like universal credit and mm-hmm. um, where the previous guest, uh, Alex Tiffin, who was a, is a universal mm-hmm. credit kind of sufferer, um, folk can check him out if they want. Um, I think UBI addresses some of the concerns here because I know you've been pretty vocal about things like rent arrears, uh-huh. um, like, you know, obviously vulnerability loan sharking, and mm-hmm. you know all the kind of uh, negative impacts that uh, universal credit has yeah. like provably had on mm-hmm. the population. Uh, I think having this uh, maybe additional exp- yeah. know, disposable sort of citizens' income, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, even if it just cuts out the bureaucracy of housing benefit, job seekers, whatever it is, uh-huh. it's just this, you know. I think there's definitely a way forward there, but I don't know that British British mm-hmm. politics is, there, yeah. is, is I don't know that's ever going to be there. You know, exactly. I, I, under the system as it stands, I don't think we ever will be there. No. Um, and that's where, for me, everything comes back to: we need to get out of Westminster. Yeah. We need to at least have full control because, all, like I said at the start, all of these problems are linked. Yeah. Um, and fundamentally, most folk just want to have decent place to live mm-hmm. they know that they've got food and enough money to enjoy themselves at the weekend yep. and enough to maybe go on a holiday mm-hmm. once a year yep. that's it uh, it's not a lot you know and I just do not believe that we can't make that a reality for everybody and when you start to analyse why it's not a reality for everybody you see just how basically fucked the system is yeah. right now and how it's getting designed are. it's just you know, you manage to make progress, but then not. You've got another problem here because this legislation did it, and it's no. We we can't do anything meaningful until we have total control over everything, mm-hmm. because uh, fundamentally it all comes back to economics as well. And that's where when you're talking about artificial intelligence, I think we've got a hell of a big problem coming down the road, and nobody seems to be paying it much attention. Mm-hmm. And what do we do when once robots are able to do our jobs Mm -hmm. and who then controls the robots and then who owns the labor of the robots so who makes the profits off of that does that all go to the one person who owns the company because then what is the point of having an economy if Mm -hmm. we can't learn yeah so it's it's pretty yeah I don't think we're going to solve it in my no, podcast. No, there seems to be quite a lot I mean there there was a, a lot of like talk about just give people the house yeah. and give people the food but and rely on charity rather than just giving people the money and the means of which and teach them how mm-hmm. to manage their mm-hmm. money type aye. thing but um but i we've run out of time so thanks very much for coming in it's well, thanks for really appreciate it. it's been it's awesome fine. the political <laughs> fanboy in me is like absolutely buzzing so <laughs> oh. it's been nice <laughs> well seen you've never met me before <laughs> <laughs> but no, well, hopefully we'll do it again sometime <laughs> you're on <laughs> cheers thank you Lightning falls when there is panic in the sky. Thunder.
Pentecost when all but fear is left to die. You tell it like it's fantasy, something that you're never going to be. Same old story every day, there's just one thing that I If we believe, if we trusted you Then I don't know why you say the things you do You'd see a whole new way to be Giving honest answers and not those lies to me Empty halls now filled with echoes of their past On our stars they lived each day like it's their last You tell it like it's fantasy, something that you're never Every day, there's just one thing that I have to say That if we believe, if we trusted you Then I don't know why you say the things you do You'd see a whole new way to be Giving honest answers and not those lies to me I can tell that you're on a mission just to break the walls down time and time again If it wasn't true, would it be okay to break the walls down time and time again? If we believe, if we trusted you Then I don't know why you say the things you do You'd see a whole new way to be Giving honest answers and not those lies to me Believe, if we trusted you then I don't know why you say the things you do You'd see a whole new way to be Giving honest answers and not those lies to me